Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. You can even just pitch your initial outreach as more of a conversation and less of an outright, hey, we're recruiting. Well, we will identify individuals that we're interested in hiring and ask them to join the panel because that is a soft ask, right? We're adding value. We're thinking about a topic that might educate them, that might help them create a bigger community. But once you actually get like someone very senior, like I, I think what we've found is that they act as talent magnets. Hello and welcome to the Engineering Leadership Podcast, brought to you by ELC, the engineering leadership community. I'm Jerry Lee, founder of ELC. And I'm Patrick Gallagher, and we're your hosts. We're doing a four-week special series on hiring, sharing sessions from our community's hiring mini-summit that took place during summer 2021. This series features conversations with hiring experts that cover the full stack, from sourcing to closing engineering candidates. In this episode, we cover sourcing engineering candidates with Kaseng Tay, General Manager and Engineering at Airtable, Shauna Garrity, Head of People and Operations at TalkDesk, and Mike Pinkowish, Head of Engineering at Gem. These three bring an incredible depth and breadth of sourcing experience to this conversation. I am not being hyperbolic when I say that when it comes to sourcing, between the three of them, they've either done it or they've built the tool that enables people to do it. Kaseng, Shauna, and Mike share some of their most effective sourcing tactics, how to change your outreach to get people's attention and increase response rates, and the strategies they use to source those elusive and hard-to-reach senior engineering candidates. Enjoy this episode with Kaseng Tay, Shauna Garrity, and Mike Pinkowish. So let's get into our next session on sourcing candidates in a remote world. We have joining us Kaseng Tay, Shauna Garrity and Mike Pinkowski. Kaseng, Mike, Shauna, welcome. It is so great to see you all. How is everybody doing? Doing great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks. Awesome. The last session, sourcing was by far one of the challenges that came up the most. And so we had asked people to share a little bit about what's been going on, what are they facing, what are they looking for, for help. So, so you three uh, are going to be helping solve a, a really critical problem for people right now. I think the, to start, because all three of you have, I think, such interesting or unique and different perspectives on what's going on with this emerging world of hiring, I would love to, to start off by getting a sense of what are some of the trends or challenges that you're seeing with sourcing right now that you are most interested in? And so, Shauna, what are the trends or challenges that you're paying attention to most right now? Sure. And I'll answer that question in context of the audience and what they care about the most. Our R&D population is primarily based out of Portugal. And historically, Portugal was a relatively untapped market in terms of competition for talent within the R&D sector with COVID. 
that's changed completely. And so some of the challenges we're, we're facing now is our, our competitors for talent can be anywhere. They can be located anywhere. Our talent is amazing. And now our talent can also work anywhere. And so competition is fierce. We've seen from a sourcing perspective, our conversion rates significantly decline. And we're also seeing for the first time ever a leaky funnel. And so part of what we've done is, is we thought really quickly about how we can be agile and optimizing our EVP and also shifting from more of a gating model. Historically, we deployed a gating model throughout our process and shifted to a selling model. So in a word, I will say, or in a phrase, I will say it's now a candidate's market. Yeah. I suddenly see that, uh, especially because Airtable isn't necessarily fully remote yet, it has uh, led to certain candidate preferences being like highly you know, amplified in this kind of remote type of world. For me, the, the most recent challenge really has been the fact that I think not everyone is, is aware like what the time scales of when things would reopen across the whole last year. I think like even following the trends of vaccinations and understanding the, the, the market, understanding where trends are headed for whether companies would be fully remote, whether we would actually adopt something that's a hybrid model. That has led to you know us not being offered candidates the preference of their choice, right? Like if they cared for fully remote or in hybrid kind of environment, we are kind of like in this middle zone where we, we haven't yet figured things out. And so there's a lot of like essentially dynamism you know, at play. We have to be very adaptable and try to wade through all that kind of like ambiguity to try to offer what candidates would actually like. In my conversations with a few counterparts at other companies, big and small actually, where these companies are transitioning to distributed workforces or are going fully remote or hybrid, the engineering leaders actually think that you know, by being able to source out of outside of the traditional tech hubs, that it's going to be a massive windfall. And they're going to have all of these candidates that they can go after. And a lot of them are actually finding that the opposite is true. And so it's actually not getting easier. And I think to build on Shauna's point, it's getting more difficult. It's very competitive. And I think it actually underscores the importance of nurturing candidates and sourcing them and finding them before they're actively looking, because when they do start actively engaging with companies, the competition is so fierce and, you know, there's a leaky funnel out there. People are dropping out because companies are swooping in and it's very competitive. Like the point you brought up, I think is, is really interesting about like it's underscoring the necessity to nurture relationships throughout the, the whole process. And so I wanted to kind of open it up to, to you three to learn a little bit more about interesting tactics you're seeing to be effective. The reaction I typically get from different engineering leaders that we work with is that that requires a lot of work. That seems really hard and that requires a lot of time. Are there either tactics that make that more efficient or are there other interesting tactics that you're seeing be effective that kind of fall under that relationship building umbrella? I can go first because it kind of builds on Mike's response. Personalization is key. Personalization and also creating velocity in your process or in the funnel because if we can put a candidate through a process in under a week, that's a competitive advantage in a really aggressive market. The way we've solved for that or, or attempted to solve for that is taking a very structured approach to not only selecting our target market or our candidates, but also crafting messaging that's resonating with those individuals. So just from a high level, we've created personas. And for each persona, we think about our EVP and whether or not there's an opportunity to align that EVP a bit more with that persona and then create content that we believe will resonate with, with that persona. And then we use tools like Gem and others to put that individual through a multi-touch, multi-cadence, and multi-person process 
so that there are a number of different touch points on a number of different platforms. Most of those are out automated through Gem. And that to us has been the most effective way to drive traction at top of the funnel. Yeah, for us, cheat sourcing here is sort of like a combination of both like a, a referral pipeline as well as outreach for, by our recruiting teams. And since I do represent engineering leaders at the company, a lot of my efforts trying to direct like engineers to, to figure out how they can best reach out to their network, right? Both candidates that they are aware of and worked with before, but also those that are you know, farther out and farther removed. And, you know, some things we've been trying are like organizing like virtual tech talks in this kind of remote world, having a kind of topic and inviting guest speakers and effectively, you know, inviting friends for a particular topic in mind, right? Like this used to be something you could do in, in the offices, but in this time it's just a lot easier to maybe do it remotely and invite a lot uh, more folks. We also try to have higher engagement at the earlier stages of the funnel in terms of like hiring managers actually conducting pitch calls and outreach engineers, as well as recruiters showing like product demos of our company's product. Effectively trying to, you know, make that early uh, part of the funnel, like more personalized to, to what Shauna mentioned, like, and highly uh, engaging for the candidates. So even if they don't necessarily like want the job, they can kind of walk away with something, either a lesson that we've shared maybe in the tech talk or a knowledge about Airtable's uh, product and how to use it. Yeah, I think when it comes to keeping potential candidates interested and engaged, you know, once you sort of have that initial conversation, but they're not ready to interview yet, keeping them engaged is pretty important. And I think that companies that play to their strengths tend to do well when it comes to nurturing. So Gem is a company that's returning to the office. We have a space opening up in a few weeks and we are going for that in-person experience. And historically, we've always been pretty strong with our in-office culture events that we do. And so 15 months ago, we would invite candidates to the office, different events that we had. And we're actually starting to do that again in safe settings, obviously, primarily outdoors. But, you know, if we're having small hangouts or lunches outdoors or in a park, there are candidates who are really excited about that opportunity to come back into an office, interact with people. And so, you know, there are a lot of companies going remote and distributed. Uh, Gem isn't one of those, actually, although I do work with a lot of companies that are taking that route. But we're sort of owning who we are and putting ourselves out there. And I think that sort of acts as a beacon for candidates who do want to come in person, but, but also means that when we have events, like we are trying to play that up. And so when it comes to companies that have built really strong remote cultures, thinking about what makes those cultures strong and interesting, owning that in your outreach, if you're having events that candidates can come to, get to know the people or the product better, I think those types of things are great. So. That's so true. <laughs> like as soon as things reopen, like we are looking forward to that and hosting things in the office in a safe way would be uh, awesome for future prospective candidates for sure. So one thing I wanted to kind of connect the dots on. So Shauna and, and Mike, Shauna, you'd mentioned, you know, some of the practices around reaching out to candidates and, and having different touch points. And then Mike, you were mentioning some of the, the methods for people to reach out. One insight I'm getting from different engineering leaders is that some of the sort of standard three-touch campaigns, the response rates are dropping off pretty tremendously. And so the big question is like, how do you get people's attention and where can you get their attention? And so what I was trying to think about is like, are there certain channels that you all are seeing to be more effective or are there certain subject lines or things that are actually catching people's attention and causing increased response? 
I think that is, that's where the science comes in for us, right? And that's why we love platforms like Gem that, that are able to track conversion rates and allow us to test different subject lines that might, might resonate differently with different markets. For us, it, it also really goes back to honing in on our EVP. So what is compelling about this opportunity and how do we make sure that we can highlight that in not only the subject line, but the first few sentences of the outreach in a way that is compelling to the individuals that we're reaching out to. I would say also something that sometimes folks will overlook is we spend a lot of time after developing the persona, we call it an ICP, so developing our ideal candidate profile, understand exactly what that is, not only for the organization, but for the department and team. And if you can be very granular about that, then the rest of the messaging usually can fall into place, right? Because we know exactly what we're looking for. We can create targeted messages that might be compelling for that individual, and we'll be able to include that information in the subject line or within the body. Some people are attracted to growth. Some people are attracted to stability. Some people are attracted to a complex challenge um, or product. And so we want to know exactly what that is and then get very specific and granular with their messaging and then continue to test it and iterate over time. Yeah, I think having the tools that allow you to measure and improve are essential here. And Obviously, I work at Gem and we help provide some of those functionalities, but you can't improve what you can't measure. In my experience, I think things that I've seen work when it comes to standing out from the crowd in those candidate outreaches. First and foremost, if you're reaching out to an engineer, keep the email short. I think we see a lot more engineering leaders actually composing and sending these emails themselves. And I think if it sort of looks like it's a multi-paragraph, a highly produced email with tons of hyperlinks and images... It might not pass the smell test for an engineer, but it, you know, if it's relatively short, I think that is going to stand out. And if it gets to the point, people are actually going to hear what you're saying. When it comes to subject lines and trying to get people to open, you know, there's a lot of different things to try. And again, I think the important thing is sort of look at what's working for you with the data that you have available to you. But you know, if you're reaching out to, let's say, a referral or someone who is in network, Trying to find a, you know, a common name that you can drop, I think really does help you stand out. And so you know, if I've worked with someone and we share a mutual connection that I know to be pretty strong to both of us, if you can find a natural way to highlight that in the subject line, I think that is going to really help you stand out. Yeah. That's uh, very interesting. Yeah, for us, the obviously, I you know don't do too much of the direct sourcing myself in terms of using tools and doing it at scale. But one thing that's I think interesting is that we we offer like credits to our customers for uh, the product, right? Like it's a cost customer acquisition. It's like easy for them to try the product before they they pay for it. And we're trying something to to offer this to candidates as well, right? Like it's something that excites them, especially for the referrals. You know, for an engineer who's just started working at Airtable, we we want them to to have a reason to go and and talk to a colleague they haven't uh, talked to in a while, right? So we want to offer this kind of interesting perk where, as a you know. Employee of Airtable, I now have this special lifetime free plan to use Airtable, and I, you know I can only give it out to a few folks here and there. You know, would you would you like to be part of my plan, right, or something like that? The thing here is that obviously, you know, one is a reason to go do the outreach, like it's engaging, you know, it's like free, something's free, right? And but also like I think it helps get us long candidates who are engaged for the long term, right? So even is sorry, a long lead time kind of outreach. We don't necessarily care for a transaction no uh, higher right away, but for a candidate who can kind of understand the product, eventually, you know, fall in love with it, understand the things we're building over time, and then decide to kind of apply or, or reach out to us later. 
So I, I think that's something that we found to be pretty successful. Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. We have time for a couple more quick questions, but I want to talk about two, two things. One is like, where are the secret locations that you're sourcing candidates right now? Or are there interesting ways that like people are finding candidates? You don't have to give up your secrets, but please, there's a lot of people who would love to hear them. But the other one thing is really interesting is a lot of people have been sharing they're struggling finding senior engineering talent and that those types of candidates seem to be the most challenging to find. And so wanted to understand like, how are you sourcing those types of candidates? Let's start first. Are there certain locations or markets or sources that you found to be really effective in actually having that top of funnel sourcing? For us, it's referrals. And so what we've been able to do is uh, typically we see anywhere between 30 to 45% of our new hires coming from our referral source. But also what we've noticed is that the highest quality talent is also coming from our referral source, which makes intuitive sense, right? If you're thriving within our organization, you're more likely to refer someone. And if you're not doing well, or if you're not a top performer, you're less likely to. So what we've done is we've created structured outbound referral syncs where we'll identify an individual who's a top performer within the organization, will pull um, individuals from their LinkedIn connections that match our ICP, will come prepared or our recruiters will come prepared to a meeting and we'll let them know what the referral bonus is. We'll share all of the, the outbound cadence with them and we'll ask them if they're interested in participating. So that to us is, has been the best channel. In terms of geo and location, we've been fairly geographically confined to certain areas within EMEA. And so we're typically looking for countries that have a similar cost of living as Portugal. And that, that list is really finite. My suggestion is if, if you are a company that, that is in a remote capacity currently or potentially in the future, if you have that ability to first look at your infrastructure to make sure you can support hiring talent in a new geo, because that's a challenge. But if you can, and you have that ability to start unlocking new geos outside of your core headquarters or base. Yeah, for us, I think something that's traditionally un underlooked is essentially like startup founder profiles. So I think, you know, over the last decade, there has been a lot of interest in startups and a lot of folks have decided to go and stake it out on their own, right? Maybe after college or, or after a few years in, in the workforce. And several of these startups do fail. And, and ultimately, there is a wide range of company names and experiences, et cetera. But we found that that pool, while it's pretty hard to find them on LinkedIn, but if we can actually like get to those candidates, they tend to have a breadth of experience that, that actually do work at, at our kind of like scaling and growth stage of our startup uh, Airtable, even though we're at series uh, E stage, uh, it still needs a lot of like engineering talent that has that kind of breadth, ability to ramp up quickly on multiple domains and not necessarily like specialist in, in any particular one role. So uh, if you can get to just like startup founders, ex-startup founders, et cetera, like that seems to be a unique archetype that, that I think seems to be underlooked. I think to sort of build on that too, I've 
I have noticed a decent number of folks who weren't necessarily founding a startup over the past year, but maybe spent a lot of time just working on side projects. And I think they were sort of underemployed, but now they're sort of coming back to the market. And so if you can find out who those people were that maybe took the past year, a couple months off, they are looking for jobs and they're ready. Some of them are senior, some of them are junior. There's a pretty good mix there, I would say. I want to also say that I think referrals are also huge. Can't emphasize it enough, especially at an early stage. You know, if your company doesn't have the name recognition of like a Facebook or even, you know, Airtable or Notion or Clubhouse, all these companies that have that household name recognition, you need that support from referrals or from communities or networks that you're a part of to have some social proof for your company. Otherwise, who are you? And so I think trying to find a way to bridge that connection and find a connection with the candidate you're trying to reach out to, especially if they're senior, really helps a lot. That's fair. And actually for senior candidates, one thing I would like to add is that uh, oftentimes it can seem as if you have this role that you're looking to fill and you, you go through all kinds of candidates and try to place that role. But I think for senior candidates, you need to be a bit more flexible about adapting that the hole you have or, or the gap that you're trying to fill to the candidate profile. And I think we've definitely found that for senior candidates, it's it's not not willing to move or anything. Like it's often a, a dialogue, right? Like understanding this kind of strengths, maybe shifting what we're looking for to kind of fit that profile. We see that for, for you know, senior leadership, senior ICs, as well as like, yeah, manager roles that we kind of need to do this for. There's one interesting trend that got mentioned in the previous session that was noted by Maya Josbakvili, who was the former head of people at Stripe. And she was mentioning that Right now, with some of the people she's interviewed, there's a lower barrier to having like quick 15-minute meetings with folks. And so the ability to, to like do direct outreach and have shorter meetings and to tend relationships over the long term seems to be something that it's easier to do now than beforehand. Uh, I'm bringing this up because I want to ask like about how do you find sourcing senior engineers? Because I think the, the challenge a lot of people are facing is where do I find them and I think a lot of folks are falling into the trap of nobody's applying to our role versus actively doing outreach to find and, and target people. And so I was wondering if there were any active tactics that you've observed or found to be effective yourself to find those more senior engineering candidates. I can share. I think Mike touched on this, but I'll expand upon it. So we do a, a number of different virtual events where we're showcasing our internal talent, but also meetups. And there are two strategies that we run in parallel where we will identify individuals that we're interested in hiring and ask them to join the panel. So as a panelist, as an expert, and we'll also reach out to individuals that we want to take a long tail strategy to nurture and invite them to be a guest because that is a soft ask, right? That's, a, that's an easy ask. We're giving them, we're adding value. We're thinking about a topic that might educate them, that might help them create a bigger community. We're not asking them, do you want to work for us? And then during the event, our recruiters are there to provide structure and scaffolding and support we're not actively recruiting in the event. So the recruiters are running the infrastructure. They're sending the outreach messaging and the reminders and the follow-up messaging, but they're not there kind of actively recruiting those candidates. But the one thing that's really important is that we set targets for ourselves, number of responses, number of attendees and number of conversions. And so the goal, everyone's goal really truly is to create a, a nice rich community, but the ultimate goal 
is to be able to see some conversion to active candidates after the event. I was going to say, I think as far as, well, finding the senior candidates, there isn't some secret social network out there that we're going on and like all the senior engineers are hanging out, but you know, LinkedIn recruiter is tried and true. I think it's a great source, uh, especially if you know how to work some of the search filters on there. I would say as far as like sort of just entering into conversation and getting some of these senior engineers interested, you can even just pitch your initial outreach as more of a conversation and less of an outright, hey, we're recruiting. I think one thing that I found to be effective is saying, hey, you know, do you just want to have a chat about, let's say for an engineering leader, engineering leadership chat, or do you want to have like a, you know, senior engineering type of chat just to sort of pick their brain a little bit to see what's important to them. But then I think a lot of these more senior folks that are open to having conversations, you know, they also want to feel out the market. And if you sort of put it in front of them in a low pressure type of way, where it's just a conversation, I think that works. Compared with a year and a half ago, I'm doing a lot more Zoom calls. I think the barrier to entry is a lot lower. People are more comfortable sort of getting on camera with someone they've never talked with before, but I think it also helps build the connection with that individual because you can get a lot more over Zoom than on the phone. And then finally, I think another way just to lower the barrier to entry, a lot of people use Calendly, can definitely recommend including that in you know any sort of outreach you do in GEM or otherwise. It can be quite helpful just to make it easier for someone to book time on your calendar. That's great. Yeah. For, first, I think we do double down heavily on referrals for senior candidates. And I think the strategy that we do is sort of to start at the very top, like go for the very, the most senior profiles and try to pay a lot of attention to that hire, right? Like put a lot of senior leadership time in closing hire and outreaching. But once you actually get like someone very senior, like I, I think what we've found is that they act as talent magnets, right? Uh, a lot of people have, have known them. They're, they're, you know, yeah, well-known in industry or their former companies, maybe even multiple companies that worked at before. And they then act as like someone that uh, for other senior engineers will look up to and, and uh, want to work with in the future. And I think we've done that successfully with various folks from many different companies. And it has led to this like kind of waterfall effect potentially or a follow on effect. And I, I, that's possibly one uh, approach. I think another is to pitch the opportunity as a, uh, going back to the startup profile analogy of candidates that maybe underlooked it. I think like trying to pitch the opportunity as something like uh, co-founding an opportunity uh, within the company to work on this thing, right? Like uh, ultimately I think senior engineers, it's hard to engage if they don't know uh, enough about the company or there isn't a maybe super compelling opportunity for their expertise and experience and, and having uh, craft that messaging to be something impactful and meaningful within your company could potentially help. Obviously it depends on the situation or company, but we found that it could actually help. A really interesting comment about like the changing priorities for senior leaders and to really craft and personalize your response to, to address that. And I also really appreciate the thoughts around like, approaching by from a perspective of adding value, building a relationship, don't lead with the ask, and also lower the friction, include a Calendly link. And it sounds like somebody needs to build the talent magnet network so that it's really easy to find those talent magnets to create some of those waterfall effects. Really quickly, Michael Heller from the chat had a quick follow-up question for Kasang and Mike. With your companies making the decision to be in person, do you find that people are sort of, is it filtering candidates and that you're finding people that are more interested in office work and that's their 
like work style preference. Is, is that something that's happening? Do you feel like it's filtering out candidates and is that having an impact or do you feel like you're still able to identify enough sourcing candidates? Yeah, I guess I can go first. Uh, but going back to that first thing about how it's, uh, I guess, a new recent challenge, I do think that our companies, like our engineers at a company today and their preferences, it's pretty wide ranging. Like there are folks that want to be in the office and there are folks that prefer not to be. And, and so we're trying to find ways to ultimately trial out different models and see what works for us in the long term. And, and we suspect there'll be something in between and possibly even like some teams being a bit more frequent in the office and other teams not. So I, I think it's actually maybe a, a wash perhaps for the candidates in that there are going to be some that will be excited and attracted to the model that we have or the teams that, that fit that kind of model that they're looking for as well as candidates that aren't. And, and I think that's why it's like really trying to mix and match and wade through the ambiguity, get them to fit to that team and that choice if it works for them. But I think it's not necessarily been a you know complete like loss or, or, or gain for us. Yeah, I think as far as Jim is concerned, we have no shortage of engineers to talk with. Our decision acts as a sort of magnet for people that are looking for that. There are plenty of candidates that do want that in-person experience. Ultimately, this saves us time. It helps us attract candidates that are excited about returning to an office environment, but also helps people that aren't looking for that self-select out earlier. I think that really stands out to me about that. If you're really clear about that, like you said, Mike, it saves time. So the takeaway sounds like no matter what the decision is, you just need to be really clear and upfront with the pathway that you're going so that there's a, a sort of a clear expectation for candidates for those experiences. Absolutely. Well, Shauna, Kossing, Mike, Thank you so much for your time. This was, I think, an incredibly compressed and rapid fire. Here are some really interesting ways to, to source. And so I, I hope a lot of folks um, are able to immediately apply a lot of these things. I, I can imagine there's going to be a lot of really cool events being planned and a lot of guests being asked to speak. If you are planning an event and want guests, take a look at the people in the community. I'm sure they would be incredible guests to have. But Shauna, Kasang, Mike, thank you three all so much. And we'll see you soon. We'd like to give a special thanks to Mesmer, the exclusive accessibility partner of the Engineering Leadership Podcast. Mesmer's AI bots automate mobile app accessibility testing to ensure your app is always accessible to everybody. To jumpstart your accessibility and inclusion initiative, visit mesmerhq.com forward slash ELC. You can also follow the link in our show notes. That's mesmerhq.com forward slash ELC. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure that you click subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or follow if you're listening on Spotify. And if you love the show, we also have a ton of other ways to stay involved with the engineering leadership community. To stay up to date and learn more about all of our upcoming events, our peer groups, and other programs that are going on, head to sfelc.com. That's sfelc.com. Or you can also follow the link in our show notes. See you next time on the Engineering Leadership Podcast.